Welcome to the Weed Smart Regional Update with me, Jessica Strauss, the Weed Smart Communications Lead. This is a new podcast in these crazy times as in-person events can no longer go ahead. So each Monday we'll have an expert from a different cropping region to provide a regional weeds-focused update. Let's get into it. Welcome to the regional update. Today we're going to be covering a very problematic weed, cowtrop. Now I did say in the podcast uh, last week that I was going to be speaking with a WA farmer, but because this issue of cowtrop has come up, we're going to be covering that instead and we'll hear from the WA farmer in a few weeks time. So cowtrop is becoming an increasingly problematic weed to deal with in parts of WA's farming regions. Growers in the Esperance Port Zone raised this issue at a recent Grower Network member meeting. So today on the Regional Update, agronomist Andrew Storey, who's also known as Agronomo, will talk to us about how to best control this weed. Andrew joins us. How are you going, Andrew? I'm Jim Dandy. Thanks. Couldn't be, Couldn't be better. That's good to hear. And thank you for joining us to tell us about this weed. Now, we've been getting reports that cowtrop is becoming a tricky weed to control. What have you found in your weed survey work that you've been doing for GRDC on this weed? Okay. Well, well, actually, they, they reckon that cowtrop covers about 1.6 million hectares of uh, broadacre cropping country right across the nation. So it's, it's in every mainland, state and territory. So, uh, it, you know, it's widespread. And they reckon it probably costs about $31 million a year in control and loss production. So, yeah. So it is a major one. They rank it in the Llewellyn et al. study from 2016. They found that it was the fourth most important summer weed in Australia. So, yeah. So there's been, there's been a few surveys done. And Peter Michael did a survey uh, back in 2006 where they looked at 319 uh, random stubble sites three times between February and April. And basically, Caltrop was about in 9% of the sites there. And then Deeper did a roadside survey between 2015 and 2017, and they found Caltrop on the sides of the roads between 11 and 17% of the sites. So, you know, it, it's about. And then this last summer, I've, I've done the GRDC summer weeds survey through the cropping belt, and... Basically, I'll divide it up into ag zones. So hopefully everybody knows what the ag zones are. So ag zone one, which is sort of in that, up that uh, northwestern corner of the, the cropping belt coming down to about any abba, it was in 28% of the paddocks. So, you know, that's, that's, that's pretty common. Yeah. Ag zone two, which is to the south of there from any abba down to about down the coast, across to, uh, say, Bulgart and then down to Katanning and Nibing. That was in 19, so 19% of the site, so that's you know, one in five. And then Ag Zone 3 was uh, at 7%, so that's sort of that nice western, you know, high rainfall country, Jarrah country. Ag Zone 4 was a doozy, you know, so that, that's sort of the eastern side of the copping belt that comes down sort of east of Bruce Rock and finishes above Hyden, and it was in two-thirds of the paddocks, so... Yeah, two out of three paddocks had caltrop in it. Yeah, that's not good. So it's a major issue down through there. Interestingly, if we go to Ag Zone 5, I only found it in 2% of the paddocks. However, I do know growers I've spoken with say it's much more common than that, so that's just the way the survey panned out in that area. And I would say that's uh, where a lot of the guys that came up at that Esperance meeting would be the Ag Zone 5 guys. Yeah, they've, they've got a real... Caltrop problem there, so it's that drier part. 
Ag Zone 6, which is sort of along the coast from sort of Albany, sort of out east of Esperance, it was only found in about 3% of the site. So it's certainly out there and it's certainly in the north and down that eastern edge, sort of down to the central. And yeah, those, those sort of drier areas tend to, seems to be a bigger problem. Okay. Well, I think it's important to highlight what the key reasons are for why this weed is so problematic. So why is it such a problem, Andrew? Well, I guess, guess one of the things is that it gets out of hand really quickly. And the reason why it gets out of hand really fast is, one, is it, it spread through you know, the spines, so it spreads really easily. So any vehicle, tired vehicle or, you know, with, you know, or tracks will, will spread it everywhere. And the other, and one of the major issues is that it goes from it goes from emerging to flowering and setting seed, depending on the weather, three weeks. So, so you've only got a very short window to actually treat, you know, and kill the weed before it sets viable seed. And the other issue that goes with that is the seed bank is brought to you know any anywhere between uh, six and eight years. So. Yeah, it's nice woody, you know, those woody sort of burrs there. And, you know, they, they are, seem to be quite, you know, will last quite quite a while, particularly if you bury them. Yeah, okay, yeah, very resilient. And what yeah. about the issues with uh, cowtrop with farmers who might have stock who might be feeding on... Uh, uh, well, I recently spoke to a grower who had actually lost a lot of, you know, his young sheep because he'd, uh, that was back, you know, sort of in the autumn because he, he'd put, hungry sheep in on a paddock that had a heap of uh, caltrop in it. Because it actually has a chemical uh, in it that actually causes liver damage. And that, that, that leads to jaundice and, you know, photosensitisation you know, and, and in extreme cases, the, the sock will die. So, yeah, it's certainly something uh, you, don't, you don't want to be putting, you know, pretty young, in young stock in on paddocks that have got a lot of, uh, cow drop in them. Plus, it's also yeah, obviously a wool fault becomes a, a vegetable fault in wool as well. Shearers aren't too keen on it. Well, let's talk about controlling it. What residual chemical and cultural options are there to control cow drop? Well, well, the thing is, there's quite a few herbicides that are registered for control. Okay, so to actually kill plants that are, have germinated, you know, there's a whole heap of things. You've got your yeah, it's interesting talking to. A, consultant the other day, he reckons that glyphosate, yeah, because people are increasing their rates of glyphosate to control grasses, some of those sort of perennial grasses, they're getting really good control on caltrop now, but just straight glyphosate. Paraquat, paraquat and diquat do a good job. Um, glufosinate's also registered, but you won't want to use that in broadacre unless you're putting it through an optical sprayer. Yeah, so there's a whole heap of things in, in the knockdowns. There's a few group Gs people throw in. Uh, to get a quicker brown out, but trial work shown that it's a bit, again, you know, this is group G's give you a quicker brown out, but don't actually improve control. That gives you the warm fuzzies. 2,4-D, dicamba, fluoxapire, they all do a good job. Group B herbicides are effective in tank mixes. There's a couple of group B's that are actually registered. So, yeah, so... Lots of options. Killing, killing the plants aren't, 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 aren't the problem. It's the problem is is the multiple germinations. Yeah. Uh, you say spray and kill all those ones, and you get a bit more rain, and they come up again. So residual herbicides uh, in WA are a bit tricky because there's very little that's registered. 
But certainly, if, if you're going into, uh, there, there's a few residuals that you can use pre-sowing of a winter crop. That will then give you a pre-emergent control going into the winter crop. So things like tergothylazine and atrazine, so TT canola and things like that, you know, are quite quite good to put in the mix in that situation. You know, imazepic and imazepire can be used as a pre-emergent in uh, immitolerant wheat and canola. Yeah, but I, I guess what, what we've got to look at is, oh, well, before I go on to the, the hygiene side of things, uh, we'll talk about optical sprayers. A lot of guys out there these days, uh, you know, with weedits and those sorts of machines, controlling caltrop was a problem with those initially because guys are probably going a bit fast. But now we found that if the growers keep to a, a 14 to 16 kilometre ground speed, they're getting good results controlling caltrop because the cameras are having trouble actually picking it up because, you know, the, the ferny leaf that, that they have can be hard to pick up. Yeah. So, so if growers are going to go down the chemical control pathway for this weed, what would be the best outcome for going in timing-wise? Because there's such a short period, the three weeks, like you said, what would be their best option, do you think? Well, they really need to know exactly where they're... Because quite often it's in patches. You tend to have big patches of it and it's not over the whole paddock, well, hopefully not. Depending on the size of the patch, some growers are actually looking at managing those patches differently and sort of they might be leaving them out of the program so they're not driving through them all the time. So that's one, that's one of the problems because you spread them when you drive your machines through it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so in those situations where you've got a patch, you could use a, a residual herbicide in those, but the problem is, you know, it's something you'd say use for fence lines, that sort of thing, but the problem is that, yeah, you're not going to grow a crop on those patches and then they become issues with uh, wind erosion and that sort of thing. Yeah. But it's a very, very tricky. This is why growers are having trouble with it. If you haven't got it, make sure you don't get it onto your place. Yeah. Yeah, you really need to be inspecting vehicles coming onto the place, inspect the tyres, the caltrop, look in the uh, the foot wells inside the cabin because, you know, people pick them up on their boots and then, you know, they rub off on the pedals. Yeah. So you've really got to be on the ball with that. Guys have got a problem. It's There's no easy answers. Certainly uh, deep burial, <laughs> deep burial through uh, inversion. Yeah, obviously so that's going to be soil type dependent. That will give you a reprieve as long as you don't bring those seeds back up again because I'm sure that, you know, you bury, bury those seeds 20 centimetres, 30 centimetres deep. You bring them up in 10 years' time, they're still going to be viable. So, we, well, that's that's just my professional opinion. We don't have any data on that as yet, but I think there's some trial work looking at that at the moment on a range of weeds. So, right. Is there any other yeah. non-chemical tactics growers can use? Does burning have an effect, for example, on... Well, the thing, I think this is it's, that's probably an area worth some research work. Yeah, seriously. Um, yeah, will burning burning the stubble? What temperature do you need? One of the problems I've, I've tried growing caltrop right, in a pot. It's not easy. It won't come up. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, will 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 a fire stimulate the germination? If it does, that that's that's going to be great. Yeah, leave the seed on the surface. Do a stubble burn get a stimulation of germination, that'd be great. But uh, obviously timing of burning that stubble is very important. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a tricky one. 
but I, but I think it'll be good to see some uh, work done on that. See where yeah. the burning will at least stimulate the germination of the seeds on the surface because it's not an easy thing to to, to grow. <laughs> right, that, uh, that's interesting. <laughs> And yeah, so, and so, Andrew, we've covered a lot. I think there's some really helpful information for growers in there. But is there anything that we haven't covered that you think would be important for growers to know about in regards to controlling cowtrop? Okay, well, thinking outside the square in the vineyards and that, uh, there's a South Australian company that have a thing they like a series of rollers they call prickle pickers, and so they run them over and they have like a scraper on the roller, so the rollers pick up the burrs and then they're scraped off into a like a tray. So that's you know, that that's yeah, it's fine on small areas, you know, can that be increased in size, you know, upscaled? There's a lot of a lot of uh, good minds out there in the farming community. Maybe that's something we can look at on a broad you know, on a bigger scale. Yeah, okay. Yeah, interesting thought. Yeah, definitely worth putting out there. Well pickle picker, look it up. Pickle picker, okay I will. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much, Andrew, for telling us all about Caltrop and hopefully that information helps growers out who are finding Caltrop growing on their properties. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time, Andrew. Uh, my pleasure. Thank you.